0: Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show, Monty Cook Games is coming out with a new campaign setting, or a older campaign setting revised for 5th edition, uh, which we're both really excited for, and uh, we discuss what classes are missing from Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say
1: hello, sir. Hello, everybody. I have an EN in the middle, or maybe it's an LU in the middle. Or something. IR. Something somewhere in there is the middle.
0: <laughs> Welcome to our uh, live show. Everybody who's live here, thank you so much for joining us live on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, we record every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and we just talk about Dungeons & Dragons, role-playing games, the games we're currently playing, the news of our hobby, um, and all of that other fun stuff. And I'm realizing right this minute, I'm actually not on Twitch, so I can't see the chat. So there let's go. hop over there and see what's going on. Oh, an advertisement. That's interesting. That's cool. Uh, you need that. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's a couple of things going on in the news. Actually, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, yeah. I want to talk to you, Lucian, mm-hmm. about campaign settings. Yes. For the game that we call Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, now, I have a, a friend. A, a, she might be watching or she might be listening to this later. Um, that we used to play uh, MMOs back in the day together. and she's mm-hmm. now just discovering D d And so Ooh. she found out about my channel and she started sending me messages. and so we've been chatting back and forth. And uh, she's very excited. She doesn't really know. she's like, I was like, well, what class are you playing?" And she's like, I don't know. I, like, I, I rolled some dice and I hit something. It was amazing. And like she just <laughs> is like loves it so much. Yeah. But I, I was trying to tell her about um, campaign settings and she was trying to wrap her brain around it. Uh, thinking, it's like, well, doesn't, like, Wizards of the Coast have this, like, don't they own D&D? Like, how can you make a and d setting? Like, she was really confused by that. And I was trying to explain it that it's like, well, they own the mechanics, and they do own some settings. Like, they own the Forgotten Realms, and you can't necessarily, like, you know, publish something in the Forgotten Realms without Wizards of the Coast approval through, like, the DMs Guild or something. But there's so many, like, I just did, uh, not just, but a while ago, I did some videos on the Scarred Lands, which is a campaign setting for uh, 3.5 D&D, and now it's been updated for 5th edition, all about, um, like, a uh, not a post-apocalyptic world, but almost, and, like, in Ravage, uh, and the gods in that world are all Greek gods, and the gods versus the titans, and there's all these really things. But, uh do you have a favorite campaign setting that you like to run around in or steal from or do you like to make your own because that's another thing that i like gamers do It's it's very typical for us to steal what we enjoy and build our own kind of thing
1: yeah um my love for forgotten realms is pretty strong i think it's my the connection to it is is really good and it's the one i probably know the most of i definitely love the idea of making my own or tweaking based on some weird parameters that I would I want to throw in like a perpetually, uh, dark world or, Mm -hmm. and then try to figure out how did that affect all the things that went on or, or, um, maybe there's a small amount of technology in the world. So how, so then almost you get like an Aberrani kind of feel, but there's a lot of these third party groups putting out, um, these campaign settings, like you said, scarred lands. And I saw, um, I was, I have one that's going to be a more of a, a Japanese style one called Kyoto campaign. And that one's going to be really cool. I'm waiting for that Kickstarter to come in. And I just keep seeing more and more of them from these different companies. And they all sound kind of interesting yeah. and they all have their their own little tweak. And they, they have these people that you can tell have a lot of passion behind, you know, their world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm into that, but I love Greyhawk too. Greyhawk yeah, is probably still before, in my yeah. heart. Yeah, my favorite. So I, what about you? I mean, it, cause you talk a lot about Eberron, you talk a lot about, I mean, your Forgotten Realms channel, so True, that makes yes. sense.
0: Is um, it your no. favorite though? I think it is. Like I like okay. I like that the Forgotten Realms has so much history to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is that there is all this like established lore and history that a lot of players are like, well, I f-, especially if you have players that have read a lot of the novels it can get frustrating when you're like, well, I want, um, I want, uh, I don't know, the the leader of Neverwinter to be this guy rather than Lord Neverember, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll have the person at the table that's like, um, excuse me, it's supposed to be this, and you're like, well, it's kind of my game. I get to change it how I want. Uh, in my view, that's why the realms is so cool. Because I think that as a DM, you can take all of that and keep what you want and still run a game in the Forgotten Realms. It can mm-hmm. still feel like the Forgotten Realms, even if I want to take the goddess Mistra and throw her out the window and erase her entire history and replace her with the Raven Queen.
1: Yeah. It
0: still is Forgotten Realms. It's just my version of it because I like that. And so... The number one critique of the Forgotten Realms, like, why people don't like it, is actually why I really like it. I don't think you have to do... I don't think you have to play it like Wizards of the Coast is handing it to you. And I don't think Wizards of the Coast is intending that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, other other game systems have other really cool things, like uh, Eberron is really... Or not game systems, but campaign settings. Like, Eberron is really cool. And I like that Eberron's timeline doesn't change. I think that's really fun. So, you you could play like you kind of pick like I want to play like a year after the war or I want to play like during the war or I want to play after the cataclysmic event the day of mourning I want to play all this other stuff and that has its own appeal in comparison to Forgotten Realms that has like a huge timeline where you're like I want to like play in this chunk of time or I want to do this or something so I don't know really really interesting stuff it's kind of weird or sad to me that Wizards of the Coast is getting away from the big epic events like the time of troubles or the spell plague because they want to make it more i don't know accessible for people i guess but i, I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool uh the reason i bring this up is because uh money cook games i'm a big fan of money cook games obviously here at the channel uh jordan mm-hmm. loves invisible sun you uh love the numenera and the cypher system and they're lot.
1: original designers of DD. so it's and not yes, like so money Cook part of wizards of the coast
0: money cook was part of wizards of the coast he he created a uh, planescape right
1: i believe so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so uh anyway money cook games they just announced that they're releasing a campaign setting for D fifth edition and the cipher system so it's going to be two books you can you can buy this and play it in either which i thought was really cool and it makes mm-hmm. sense they want to sell the book for the most popular role-playing game out there and they also want to sell the book for, for their <laughs> most popular stuff. game so it makes yeah. sense um yeah. but uh Going through their their announcement here, they have made this uh, campaign setting, and I want to say it's called uh, Patolis. I think it's
1: just, I think the P is silent. I think it's just what? The P is silent? The P is silent. Have you ever heard of something like that? I know all about
0: that, and I totally think (laughs) so. It's Tolis, I guess. Anyway. I uh, think. I could be wrong. Yeah, could be wrong. But uh, when Monty was working for Wizards of the Coast, designing third edition and doing a bunch of stuff, uh, he was running a game with Wizards of the Coast elites. And it was a world that he designed himself with the input of this of his players that were these like, you know, super high up there. I say high up there, but just like designers of Wizards of the Coast, for Wizards of the Coast. Um, and he made this 672 page book. Yeah, that, it's an, like, I have huge. it. It's enormous. You have it? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this huge book and uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. My My microphone is... I'm eating it. It's not good, <laughs> um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, from what I'm reading. I didn't know much about it, but from what I'm reading, it's like a a city, like this a like powered mega, 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 mega city. Yeah. Um, so something that could be really cool that like you could take this campaign setting, think Ravnica. Yeah. And and plop little sections of it or the whole thing in your own world, and I really like that. So I don't know. Long story short, I'm I like. I've I've very much been enjoying Monty Cook as a designer um, yeah. in his games, the worlds he's creating, things like that. So this super piqued my interest. And I like that they're mm-hmm. revising it for fifth edition uh, for cypher system. That's really cool, too. Might get a lot of people into both where they're like, oh, like, I like this world. Should we play this world in another system? Like, that's kind of cool. Um,
1: yeah, I'm definitely take, picking it up. This yeah. is a pickup for me.
0: So Tolis, it's coming. Uh, they're doing a Kickstarter at some point. Uh, if you want to be notified for the Kickstarter, you should you should Google and they've got like an email you can put down. But I'm sure it'll be all over social media and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I I just am really excited for this, and it it makes me I don't know, it just makes me really happy. Like we have uh, Critical Role coming out with their campaign setting book, and we have mm-hmm. this coming out and, out, and like. Yeah. Uh, Again, I'm going to go back to the Scarred Lands and uh, Kobold Press has Midgard and like Midgard, all, these, yeah. all these people are doing really really cool things that us as players can steal what we want and and make it work. And, yeah. and, I just and there's, uh,
1: there's a bunch of them on DriveThruRPG. Real, full, fleshed out actual books. You can even buy them in print mm-hmm. on different 5e settings. There's a large amount of people building campaign settings for 5e. So if you haven't found like what your taste is right now, you don't like the stuff wizards is putting out. You don't like, yeah. you know, some of those other things, there's going to be somebody who's putting something out that you like and, and can cl- and latch onto. And the rules are there or the, the tradition is there to throw all that stuff out and say, you know what? I can do it. I'm just going to do it the way I want it. And yeah. that's perfectly fine too. So yeah. that's what I love about it. It's a cool game.
0: No, it is. And so yeah, I was just really excited for this. Uh, like really excited for this. I think it's yeah. I I just the art and stuff looks so cool. It's like this spired. Money Cook like, art stuff is gosh. good. Anyway, I love their. Books. I just keep looking at this website and it's really good. <laughs> so uh that's coming out in the news. That Kickstarter is going to happen at some point, and I it's going to be like ai I'll be on it for me. Like
1: I'm. You'll see it on yeah. my Twitter because the minute I see it, I'll be I'll be backing it.
0: Well, even even that Money Cook, uh, they had a Kickstarter like a year ago, maybe for Mm -hmm. uh numenera in dungeons and dragons 5e and i backed that because i thought that was really cool uh i don't necessarily think i if i want to play numenera i'll probably use the numenera system the cypher system but um i was very curious about sci-fi magic items and armor and things like that in my game like i because i i want to run this Spelljammer 5e game it's going to happen at some point. It I will want to do happen. It. <laughs> I want to do it so bad. And that book is going to help me a lot, I think. God, so, yeah. Lasers. God, and, yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, other things in the news. Uh, This isn't a secret, but it's kind of now announced public knowledge. We knew that Wizards of the Coast was making a game studio. And yep. they were grabbing, uh, like, really good developers and, and directors and stuff. And I want to say this is – it's not – they they have the Montreal one. And then I think they have one in Texas, in Austin. That's the new one. Yeah, that's the new, the new one, one is in Austin. So yeah. that's now has a name. It's Archetype Entertainment. Um, mm. and they are uh, let me open this so I have the the names I right. I pronounce
1: it Archetype.
0: type Okay. Yeah, I It's like there Covenant of the
1: Ark. Ark of the Covenant. Ark
0: of the Covenant. Archetype Entertainment. Uh and they A lot of their employees worked for BioWare, um, which is really cool. So, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Neverwinter Nights, Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age Origins, um, lots of Mass Effect, like lots of really cool stuff. Um, And this guy's going to be the head of the studio, and they're working on DD, Magic the Gathering games. What Mm -hmm. those exactly are, we're not entirely sure. and this isn't, uh, I don't think Baldur's Gate 3 is this, going to be this company. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is the Montreal company. Uh, anyway, but yeah. they, have a, they have a name now. And it was really cool to see all these like Bioware people that Jordan remembers from his youth that was like, oh, you worked on Neverwinter Nights like that. Ah, I love that game so much. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, we've talked about this before, but it is interesting that, with, well, Wizards of the Coast is a company. They want to make money they can only make so much money with books but they have these properties that they're like well why don't we make video games or why don't we license it out here or i don't know gale force 9 will let you have this properties to make a bunch of stuff and so they they have this intellectual property that they're giving out to make stuff um, i don't know are you i mean Knights of the Old Republic is one of the coolest games that has ever been made and yeah i i'm just really excited so
1: I like BioWare as a company. I've always liked their devs, so if they've got some of the good talent from there, mm-hmm. I'm super I would love a Mass Effect. Like if they said because just like we have with Pathfinder, you have Pathfinder and Starfinder, right? So you got mm-hmm. you got you got sci-fi covered, you got fantasy covered. And if D&D said Wizards of Coast said, "Well, we want we want fantasy covered, but we need a sci-fi cover." If they went the Mass Effect route, something very similar to that wow i'd be in heaven because that that is one of my favorite gaming series to just sit there and play as an rpg on the computer and i love the storylines of that yeah
0: and i'm remembering that uh they wanted to make new intellectual property that was one of the Mm -hmm. goals of this game company um and apparently their first game is going to be a multi-platform role-playing game and this is quote set in an all new science fiction universe that will send players on a story driven epic where choices they make have real consequences on how their story unfolds. Imagine it's that. A property that is <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Mass Effect, it's going to be all those things, but it's a property <laughs> that is not D&D or Magic the Gathering. Um, which is cool. Which is really cool. And you take something like that and it becomes really popular and you start getting like role playing versions of it and like I don't mean they know how to do it mm-hmm. and so I don't know it's I'm really, I'm really curious about all this. It's going to be, I, I don't know. Yeah. Really and curious. I feel
1: like we're in the times of remakes and redos yes. and, and sequels and capitalizing on nostalgia um, properties that we already own, IPs mm. that we already own. And every now and then we're only getting the sprinkle of something new that's not been done before. It seems like that's kind of gone by the wayside and it's more popular to just kind of bring back the other stuff. But I'm, can't wait till that kind of dies out as a, as a trend. And we get back to everybody's building these brand new IPs that nobody's heard of. Yeah. And we get a big slew of those. And those so, can be popular. That's the route like, they're going, be
0: like I mean, Blizzard has been sitting on world of work or Warcraft and Diablo and Starcraft for so long. And those are great. Yeah. But then they come out of nowhere. Well, they come out of nowhere with overwatch yeah. And it's like brand new characters. They've all got a new history. It's a new style of game, all this other stuff. And I, I remember when that came out, a lot of people were like, well, it's not Diablo, blah, blah, blah. It's not this. But like it was it's taken the world by storm. And it is now it a really amazing. popular um franchise in its own. And yeah. where they could do total spin-offs of that thing. Like they could take the Overwatch characters and I don't know, Overwatch chess, and you play chess with Overwatch characters. I don't know. Yeah. So uh it's just interesting how you have to take those leap of faiths as a company and and you can't just constantly well people know the diablo franchise let's make another diablo game kind of yeah
1: game. are we going to so, get a diablo 9 are we going to get a exactly. diablo 13 or or at some point are we just okay though and don't get me wrong i oh, love yeah. diablo Super and fun. if we get to diablo 13 i'm playing it <laughs> i'm playing them all they're working on diablo 4 now happening right this minute um i'm with that but i I love the idea of new new ips like when stuff comes out of nowhere like there was the game last year that was the the kind of viking slash nomadic girl protagonist who was fighting sci-fi robot dinosaurs um super popular game last year or the year before i'm forgetting the name of it top of my head but that was like that just come out of nowhere and when you watch some of the videos and the previews that you're like okay whoever imagined this was super cool because like all the dinosaur creatures are these weird cybernetic versions or robot versions that somehow took these shapes and forms and then hunted humanity to near extinction at some Mm -hmm. point i'm just like oh that's so good and it's just you know just i love it so i love seeing new stuff when mass effect hit for the first time that just blew me away that was such a good, just out of nowhere IP. So, but and, you know, there's so many good games everywhere. It's not just in the tabletop role playing. Like, if you go to Steam and you see the games that are coming out daily, and you'll find little RPGs, you'll find your little, you know, uh, like the game you've been playing recently. Um, what was the name of that? Pop, uh, your pops. Yeah, yeah, hops. I mean, just out of nowhere, cool art style to it no man's sky Mm -hmm. Um, you know just all these things that just come out of nowhere I love it I love seeing this the brand new stuff that gives you more inspiration you know you didn't even know you wanted it and then you saw it and you're like now I want it (laughs) so very cool
0: uh horizon zero dawn is that what you're thinking that's about? it
1: mm. good job chat good job chat horizon zero dawn just watch some of the trailers of that and they're so evocative and cool even if you haven't played the game and from all accounts like i haven't played it yet but the game is super cool yeah i did just buy spider-man on my pay, playstation 4 mm-hmm. um and that was really fun swinging through the total segue swinging <laughs> through the city of new york with that i was like oh my god this is really good yeah so that- I love the Spider-Man. But Horizon That's Zero Dawn is what I was talking about. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Um, yeah, so new video games, new Wizards of the Coast stuff. Uh, we're not like, I mean, we're a D&D guy. We're not, or podcast. We're not like a Wizards of yeah. the Coast podcast. But uh, I mean, we're both gamers, like board, video, RPG kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I'm super interested where this I'm is going. I'm excited to see what you know. they put out. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, sir?
1: Well, I saw a little bit over the week. And again, I was super busy this week. So I didn't get to dive in as much. Um, I got to spend my week in Denver, which was nice. And I am finally back home for all the Welcome Denver home. fans. Uh, it did snow while I was there. And then it, and so I blamed it on me because it's snowing when I got back here. So the, the Michigan guy brought snow to Denver. <laughs> but I did see that the there is, for those of you who, who are more interested in wild Mount than I know it appears that me or Jordan have been interested in, it in the last two. We're not, we're not knocking it. If you guys love it, it's great. Oh, no. And I, I'm a firm. Um, and I, yeah. I, I'm great. You know, it's great that you're going to play in it, but if you want to see somebody playing in the campaign, obviously I guess there's critical roles. So that'd be one good way you could do it. But if you're looking for a different version of it or see how somebody else is going to try to take mm-hmm. that world and run with it, they, there is one on D and D beyond right now um, being done by uh, Todd Kendrick. And I believe it's called, uh heroes of the mist but their characters are going to this wild Mount. okay so he's he's pivoted his group okay to wild Mount. now i don't know if they're the same characters because i haven't watched all of his um his stuff but it, it looked like the same cast that i saw before so walters and uh oboe crazy and jen and um Adam is there and so if you know if you're into that you want to see somebody else run a game in Mount that's not Matt Mercer that might be a good look at it um, over on the D&D Beyond and D&D Beyond had a lot of videos this past couple of, well a couple of weeks over the last two to three weeks on Wildmount stuff so if you're looking mm. for more Mount information. There was also a lore you should know with Chris Perkins if you want to know more about the gods and geography of Mount. I've not watched it, but I did see that it was out there. It's on my queue to go through and watch. I'll probably watch it a little bit later today and see what that's all about. I figured Jordan would be into that because he's our lore aficionado of all things. The the lore you should know
0: have always been really fun because, again, like I like to steal little bits. And I want to make my own campaign setting at some point. And so I'm like kind of, oh, I like that idea. And so, yeah. Yeah.
1: We had a little bit more from Dragon Plus Live, which is Bart Carroll talking with uh, Jeremy Crawford. And they touch base on a few more things of the subclasses, but they do talk about a few other things in there. I'm halfway through that one, and it's pretty good. They've got some good discussions in there about um, can a war, can you as a warlock have a pact with a god Um or does it just, or are you just a cleric at that point? And they, they have a little cool discussion about that. Oh, that's interesting. They Have a cool discussion about the rules and where they were going with some of those things, and it, it's pretty fun. I always like watching those two talk about. So I I'll watch Jeremy Crawford talk about Dungeons and Dragons twenty four seven. I don't know what it is about the way he thinks and he articulates the what they're thinking when they're creating things and the way he tells stories and the way I just I could watch Jeremy all day long. <laughs> I just really like listening to them. Yeah. Um, so those are the videos that I saw that were out there. If you're missing anything, or you feel like you want to, you want to get some Wizards of the Coast D and D knowledge. Those are the things. I did send Bart. I haven't looked it up yet. I sent Bart Carroll a tweet because I have not seen the Dragon Plus uh, issue for January, and here we are, February first. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to be a month after, like the January issue actually comes out in February, and then the February issue actually comes out in March. Maybe that's how it works, or Maybe January was too much holiday stuff, so they didn't get one out, or maybe it's late, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they're changing something. I'll see if they, he hasn't answered my tweet yet, but I'm sure he will because he's usually pretty responsive. Oh, cool. Um, so that was about the news that I saw. There's lots more Kickstarters about to kick off again. I've been seeing some things that say, keep an eye on these Kickstarters, keep an eye on these Kickstarters. So I can't wait to get into my, I mean, I've been, get, I got uh, several have come in over the last probably two or three months. And I'm all ready for the next wave of Kickstarters that I'm going to go ahead and yeah. uh, help get done because I just love the idea that me throwing my forty or fifty dollars in helps them create a, a game, you know, yeah. helps them create their dream, which is super cool. Which one day I'm hoping me and Jordan get to do something. I like would that. like way to way do way down a, the uh, future, you know, just and do some cool.
0: I, I keep thinking about this campaign setting, or or mm-hmm. we even uh, we wanted to make like a, a magic item generating table and yeah. uh i want to you know and then like why not combine those and try to make like a cool book and and do a matt colville and get a million dollar kickstarter that'd be really awesome Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kickstarter, or just to
1: get something published i, I oh, love yeah. the idea that we would have a book that has some good artwork in mm-hmm. it that's laid out by a professional that we we put our our sweat into oh and if i can just have oh. it sitting on my oh. shelf jeez. oh sweaty book oh that's man. the dream <laughs> um, or sweat and blood we'll, we'll mix those no, two not, things together oh. yeah, great <laughs> uh,
0: a kick i just got an email this morning because uh kickstarter i backed just finished it got funded you probably have heard of it the adventurer's tarot yeah
1: and this was that a was fantasy
0: cool. themed card uh tarot deck for use with fifth edition dungeons and dragons and other role-playing games the art is phenomenal these cards look amazing i bought two packages because uh I was cuz
1: you've been talking about a kind of a terra uh, death. Yeah, kind of I want to
0: do yeah. like a I want to be able to I don't know, like in in Raven in Ravenloft in Curse of Strahd, you're uh they they let you do a pseudo kind of um fortune telling and then that fortune telling hides items within the adventure that you need to complete the adventure. So you could hypothetically replay Strahd and and all this other stuff, but uh i I don't know this and i think they're gonna make some mechanics that go along with it but i'm really excited for that um i've got a couple other kickstarters that are finishing up so i should get some books here in the next like three months or so which is really Mm -hmm. exciting but yeah and it's it's a new year so i feel like we always get new kickstarters around this time um yeah so lots of stuff happening really really cool things are going (laughs) on so excited for the dungeons and dragons
1: can't wait there's gonna be lots of it
0: <laughs> um which brings us to our next uh Yay. section of the show uh lucian's favorite section of the show yes and jordan has been
1: dragged into this kicking and screaming <laughs>
0: kicking and screaming bardic <laughs> inspiration uh what what has inspired you this week what do you what do you want to talk about
1: there's uh, The idea, the kernel of the idea that I keep playing around in my head, and it's obviously based off of I've been reading a book that has something similar, but it also harkens back to um, a dungeon master that I played with quite often, one of my favorite dungeon masters, a good friend of mine, who to me has been the best dungeon master I ever got to play with. Like if I was going to say, you know, who was my best dungeon master? It was him. It was it was this guy. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah, It was him. Um, And I remember a campaign he had set up that happened once one of our characters made a dwarf and his backstory was about he was he's uh, a long lost um, heir to a dwarven city that is has been taken over. It's it's no longer part of the dwarven kingdom. It's overrun, it was lost hundreds and thousands of years ago. And he was he was writing his backstory up about he his family always have wanted to go back and retake this dwarven city. Like it was just their goal in life to 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 bring it back to life. And in this book I'm reading, they're running away from the bad guys through this lost dwarven city. So that brought those memories back up. So the idea is my Colonel, my bardic inspiration is this idea of what about running a campaign where you sit your players down and say, at least one of you has ties to a lost dwarven city. And you have just finally found out um, like the location of it. You found out that a, an entrance has been opened and are you ready to go back and take, this city back almost like one of the most famous lost dwarven city stories basically you know the hobbit which is the whole thing where they're they're going back to where smog has taken over everything spoilers and the dwarves want their city back smog has taken that city and they want their city back and if they could get that city back how great would that be they could bring it back to prominence so this idea that you could run a campaign that has all the obstacles that are going to be in the way of the players and all the things that they're going to have to do to start trying to clean the dwarven city out and how far does it go down and what was the reason it got overtaken in the first place why are all these other ones able to hold but this one wasn't and what was the thing that took it over you can play around with is it a big dragon or is it huge goblin tribes or is it you know like the mines of moria kind of thing so That I just feel like that has a really good kernel, really good, strong basis for a good long one to two year campaign that you could really dive into. And you could then really incorporate a lot of the strongholds and followers stuff. You could kingdoms and warfare book you could get from Matt Covo could work into that because once you start reopening the city, well, then the, the, the factions around you are either going to want to ally with you or crush you before you do it because they don't want you to become a power in the world. So you get that whole kind of diplomacy and and, and dynamic going towards the higher levels you go up. So it felt like a strong kernel, a strong starting point for a campaign where the party has a unified goal of, we want to clear or bring back, this lost city and it could be any really lost city, I guess, but I was just thinking of a Dwarven underground city. That would be a cool, very D and D, very heavy D and D kind of idea. So, no, I've always that wanted was to my- run a,
0: I've always wanted to run. And we've talked about this before, but like an all dwarf campaign or yeah. like, and then have their, or, or just anything like all halflings or all this or all tieflings, but the all Dwarven campaign, I really like the idea of the, sorry, solving dwarf, dwarf problems. Yeah. And, and it's not like we have to save the world. We have to do all this other stuff. It's like, no, nobody really cares about this ancient, uh, dwarven city that was taken over by a dragon. Um, but you're right. Every single time I think about doing this and I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. a great idea. And I start writing things down. I'm like, Oh, this is the Hobbit. I, I did it again. <laughs> it I, <is. laughs> I wrote the Hobbit. Dang it. Yeah. Dang I wrote it. it. But I like, I like that idea a lot of, of, of problems that are, are, Uh, And you could do this with a regular adventuring party, but like, I guess salt marsh is a great thing of this where you have this adventuring party, but the problems are salt marsh problems and they Mm -hmm. have to solve the, the salt marsh problems. And I, I like smaller focused stories like that. Um,
1: geographic based
0: geographic based kind of a thing uh there's something to be said about running around the world and doing all this other stuff and and honestly that's my my new campaign that's going to start on february 19th that is uh not what i'm doing like it's going to be big large problems that they all have to do and i'm trying to figure (laughs) out how to tie all these adventures into like why would they care about saving the world you know, yeah. and, and that's that's almost more difficult than saying, no, you're all dwarves and you want to reclaim your homeland like yeah. or no, you're all you're all part of, of Neverwinter and you want to do you want to help the the Lord of Neverwinter. He wants to he wants to pay you to do this thing. And and Saltmarsh yeah. was like that. Like you guys are invested in Saltmarsh and things like that. So it's or, it's funny, like we have these grandiose visions of like, I want to go all these in, but it's almost harder for them for you to tie people in. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or even what about if you only ran this campaign because you know it's going to kind of be hobbitish anyways. But you talk to each of the players; they're all brand new to D anD D, and they never watched The Hobbit, so they don't know any of it. They, they. I think that'd be super cool. Do they live in <laughs>
0: Antarctica or something? Like, well, I don't
1: know. I, there's lots of people that haven't watched Lord of the Rings. What? That's yes. Ridiculous. There's look, you're a boomer now. That's the problem. <laughs> it's all these young kids growing Teddy up. Boomer. That's an old movie. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going
0: to watch the Hobbit today. That sounds like a great idea.
1: I It is. I just, I just rewatched it the other day and it was so, really good.
0: Are we talking about the animated Hobbit though?
1: No, or- I watched the newer. I actually started rereading yeah, the Hobbit just really not good. too long ago and it's pretty good.
0: Um, No, I, I, I love, love, love the animated Hobbit a lot. Um, the Peter Jackson ones were fine but like that one I guess has nostalgia going back to nostalgia and people remaking things like that has a special place in my heart and I really love it Mm -hmm. Um, I had a couple of bardic inspirations yeah what is your
1: bardic inspiration Um, this week
0: and I'm going to throw this out here it's okay if you don't have an answer but what classes are missing from Dungeons and Dragons like think about other Pokemon class a Pokemon class (laughs)
1: Like you want like a a
0: fight with your pets
1: kind of thing? I want a better, more robust pet class, summoner class. Um, That's actually... Not one that bogs the game down, Mm -hmm. one that keeps the game moving, but one that has a lot of variety, like a lot of choices... For you to make to say, oh, I want to, I want to do this, and a lot of opportunity for you to capture or create or upgrade or modify or get new things as you find them, and then they can fight next to you, and and it doesn't overwhelm the game in any way. And there's mm-hmm. a there's a reason that it all works out, and it works mechanically. I want that. I want a really cool summoner slash pet class. Um, and, and I, I know I... everybody says beastmaster and all that, but it's not. That's like one version of a pet class. But that I want a more wide ranging. I want you know just. I mean, Artificer
0: has their support utility creatures. I like it, and they they did a good job of that. But you're right. I I've also wanted a uh, a puppeteering class where your pet is this puppet that you manufacture and build. Um, And there was something online. Somebody made like a puppet a puppet master class where not only could you control your puppet and do cool things, but you could also, like, attach uh, magical threads to a creature and move mm-hmm. them. So it was very much like a control kind of class where you could move enemies out of the way or halt their actions. I am keep doing this because that's my string, puppet string hands. Uh, but I, I really liked that, and I've always wanted something like a puppet class. I thought that would be really cool to, to have. Um, but you're right, The when we... I, we just played acquisitions incorporate. Well, not just this was two weeks ago. We haven't played in a while. Um, but uh, our druid summoned like five wolves, and the whole game just went like yeah, and like okay, mm-hmm. we got to roll for all these wolves. How much hit points do they have? What's going on? And and you're right. Like when when the druid summoning uh, aspect comes into play, it slows the game down a lot or combat. Yeah, I does. should say. Yeah. Um, and it would be cool if they. And and the Artificer is a good push in the right direction, but you're right, that is, I agree with you, that is also a class that I um, am missing. I like that class Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, But I
1: think you had something in mind when you asked the question. Very true, Uh, but I wanted to get your input. Uh,
0: I want a, uh, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan, I played Final Fantasy through all of my youth and I love the games a whole bunch. And there is a class in the Final Fantasy game series called the Blue Mage. And I love Blue Mages because they learn magic that enemies can do. Um, and so I was thinking, like, that is a class that has not been in Dungeons & Dragons before. Uh, and I want it to.
1: Well, what is a Blue Mage, then? Tell us for those in, of us that are not Final Fantasy aficionados. Well, yeah,
0: so, so Blue Magic is monster magic. So Monster magic. A ma- uh, a monster's attack. So, for example, oh. um, you have uh cactars. They're little cactus creatures, and they do an attack on you called thousand needles, where they throw a thousand needles at you. You, as a blue mage, when you get hit by this, can have a it's like I don't know, like a thirty or forty percent chance to learn set attack, and then when you mm. learn it, you can then equip it and cast it or all this other stuff. Nice. So. There, how many, how many unique attacks do monsters have in D and D? And I'm trying to Lots, think. Lots,
1: because they have to compete with player characters. They do.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So, for example, actually, I want to look it up. I want to. I want to. Oh, here look we go. Up. We're going Game to the D&D table. Beyond, right now, um, water elemental is a good one to do. Yeah, I love animals. So, if you could, uh, okay, whelm. And Whelm is a, on a recharge of four to six. So you roll a mm-hmm. d6 every time you see if it recharges. Um, each creature makes a DC 15 strength saving throw. On a failure, they take 2d8 plus four bludgeoning damage. Um, if it is large or smaller, it is also grappled by this creature. Um, and because you kind of like take it in. You're so consumed. Yeah, You're, you're consumed. Like... So let's say uh, a water elemental uses this on your blue mage d class and then you roll percentile die after he uses his attack on you and you've learned the ability cool and i got thinking that you could equip spells like armor yeah so i have i have these eight spells that i've learned from monsters but i only have so many like so much room to equip certain amounts and when you equip them you know them and you can use them but after they're used, they're on a cooldown and you have to roll that D6 or whatever to see if they recharge so you can use them again. And that that seems really fun to me because you're still yourself. You're still your character with your swords and things like that. It's not like the druid where you change into an elemental and you get their druidy powers or you get the elementals powers for a while and temporary hit points. I like mm-hmm. that you just kind of the 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 attacks that you have are things that you've learned from monsters.
1: And what I like about what you just said, because now you have me super interested. I'm going to have to go back and play some uh, Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. They have their Final Fantasy online MMO too, that I've heard is really good. Oh, 14? Yeah. Back to what you've said that really interests me. It makes that player want to get hit by something. Yes. So that they can get the chance to maybe grab that Mm -hmm. thing. So that's Mm -hmm. a very interesting thing. I like that dynamic. I like the idea. Am I going to sit in the back and not do that because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fragile, I don't have a lot of hit points, but I can use my abilities, or do I get up there so I can try to get this cool abilities yeah. at some point?
0: Yeah, and like and that. I don't know, like I think that's something you could work into D&D really well, yeah. because every monster attack, you would just have to take those attacks and be like, okay, how powerful is this? Um, and for some reason, I'm thinking of blocks. Like you have, let's say six blocks, and mm-hmm. um, this Whelm spell, cost three blocks so mm-hmm. the more powerful the spell the more blocks yeah. it takes and the and less helps you balance the everything. less variety of spells you have but you might have one real strong spell and like one weak one or you could have like five week spells and you know something like that and i like that yeah. i like that idea so you could have like a variety of stuff or you could have and maybe on a long rest you can change them out just like a wizard or something yeah. but they don't cost the... they don't cost spell slots you don't cost yeah. that like it's totally a recharge mechanic and yeah. so that's like just being lucky you know like you mm-hmm. go into a fight and you use this cool ability and you're like all right recharge uh i guess all of your stuff would come back on a on a short rest kind of like a, a warlock so you might have to limit it in some way you know there's there's testing but yeah. man i like this idea and, and you could you could really you could implement it well i think it'd be really fun uh i like it it's i want to i want to cool. i like blue mages a lot i played a blue mage in final fantasy 11 it was mm-hmm. super fun final fantasy 5 has blue mages they're they're just really fun so, creatures so and creatures, i know i
1: played classes. final fantasy but i don't remember all of that stuff are there other color mages are there red mages there are red
0: mages black mages and white mages yes
1: oh now i want to know all about them how do i we need a final fantasy dnd game is what i'm hearing jordan
0: uh, i think there's like a, a fan-based one out there but yeah um white mages are healing magic so that would be a cleric black oh, yeah. mages are uh offensive magic so that'd be a wizard and red mm. mages are a combination of both. They never get really high healing spells and they never get really high damaging spells, but they're able to do both. And then blue yeah. mages learn from monsters. So Very cool. Yeah.
1: Very cool. I want it. I want to see that subclass out on I the do. DM's guild. That'd that would be, cool. be really
0: fun. I want to make that. Subclass. Maybe it is. Maybe it already It'd, is. You know, I it mo- th- haven't yeah, even looked there's, it somebody up. <laughs> there. there's somebody out there that's made it. Yeah. Um, but I that was my idea is I want, cool. I want a new, I want that class. I think I See, think that would be really
1: fun. Isn't this a fun segment of our show? It's I so
0: good. It. It's so good. And <laughs> tomorrow um, is uh, a football holiday. I don't know if you know this. It is. The footballs um, are playing. Yes. The footballs are playing. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a sports ball team that yeah. is like, uh, it's like 40 plus nine-ers or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And they're fighting another sports ball team. Um, the two of them are going to clash on this, like, epic battlefield. It's kind of like a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a coliseum of sorts? A pitch. A p- yeah. And uh, they're going to throw their their baseballs at um, some lacrosse rackets and catch them and go back and forth. Uh, <laughs> it is the Super Bowl. So my, my D&D <laughs> game is canceled because my players like Because you're the all football Super fans. <laughs> and I don't care for the Super Bowl, but that is, that is fine. Like, I'll, I might watch it. I don't know. But uh, we had to cancel D&D because they all want to watch the Super Bowl. Um, So it got me thinking, we always have these funny games where you have like a Halloween-themed game or a a Christmas-themed game. You know, you do these funny-themed games. You should have a Super Bowl-themed game where you fight the Superb Owl. And the Superb (laughs) Owl has armor, and he chucks (laughs) footballs at you, and... I don't know. I so it's, a, I, pun I, it's a pun game. too. It's a pun game. I didn't super flesh this out, but I like the idea of fighting a superb <laughs> owl. Um, a superb owl. And it like tackles you and grapples. That's like you. above a dire owl. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Owl. You've got owl. You've got owl bear. You've got yeah. dire owl bear. Yeah. You've got the superb <laughs> owl. Uh, I love it. With
1: footballs.
0: <laughs> um, really funny.
1: You could play a D and D game where your players have been drafted into a sporting event of some sort and you could play some weird conglomeration of rules you come up with that's like a rugby slash baseball basketball football hockey whatever (laughs) because they do blood bowl in the warhammer universe and that that is very much a gladiator sports game inside a fantasy Uh game called blood bowl which is pretty so you could definitely do it in D that
0: D. That'd be, be fun. fun. Uh, that's that's my bardic inspiration: uh, <laughs> Bloom Mage one. and the superb owl. Uh, awesome. But we we usually talk about whatever games we're playing uh, because we like to play games. Uh, Lucian, what are you Me what are you playing?
1: What did you play this well, week? Well, I had what I played this week was Lucian's first day at work week. <laughs> it was such a to fun to Denver, game. Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a great. Modern day setting game, uh, I role played a software technician and it was really cool. No, I had a really busy week in Denver all week um, uh-huh. and we were going out with the team every night and I was getting back late. And so I did not get any single Dungeons and Dragons in at all this week. All right, flip but over, I my, am I'm hopeful. done, goodbye. But I am hopeful that this week, Wednesday, is the finale for my Tomb of Annihilation campaign so we're gonna to get to the finale of that. We're gonna find out what's going on. We're gonna answer all the questions. We're gonna live or die, be do heroes and be zeroes. Do you know any spoilers?
0: Do you know anything no, about I this? No, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so, I'm so excited for it. you.
1: I have to watch this. I'm gonna experience it to as this. it happens. And then the other exciting part of that is we've already started deciding on our next campaign, mm. which is um, uh, Dragon Heist, yeah. Waterdeep. And we've already started our characters. We've already started talking about that. So. We're in this really cool excitement of, we're happy we're about to be at a finale. We're happy that we're about to start up some new characters and a new campaign. And I can't wait to see how this all unravels. And it's fun, but it is true. Like you said, I did not get to do anything this week. So we have to rely on what did Jordan do? He better picked up the ball and played some D and D. Yeah, I didn't play
0: anything. <laughs> there,
1: uh, show's over, guys. Show's over. Thank Bye. You. Well, thank you so
0: much for coming. One hundred and two is
1: as far as uh, we got. Episode no, one hundred and two. Uh,
0: people were sick, and I've got a baby, and I'm like, <laughs> you can't be around me with with sickness with my baby and stuff. Um, and uh, the the Super Bowl, and uh, people were people wanted to watch. I don't know. Something was happening last week, so we didn't play any games. I've been playing a lot of board games. We've been playing Azul. It's really fun, me and the wife.
1: I've been playing a lot of PC uh, games because, yeah, my games have not been running, so I've been. And on I've been Steam. reading
0: a lot of Invisible Sun, uh, but also I'm I'm I've announced it. Um, there's yes. been little things on Twitter as well, uh, but we're I'm running a, a stream. I'm going to stream a game. It's going to be like maybe a eight or nine month campaign. We're kind of thinking. I've got really mm-hmm. awesome players, uh, so Wednesdays on Nerd Immersions Twitch channel. We're going to be playing Rod of the Seven Parts, uh, which is a Greyhawk adventure that I am adapting into a Forgotten Realms adventure. It's going to be super fun. Um, February 19th, 5.30 Pacific. Come watch us. It's going to be lots of fun. Um, I have been prepping that. So I, I kind of wrote down an, a brief outline of where I think they're going to go and what I want them to do. And then um, I've got the first couple adventures planned, mm-hmm. and I'm now, and we're actually going to meet this Wednesday. Um, we're going to do like an informal just chat, because I know most of them, but I realize they don't actually know each other very well, so we're going to be like, hey, like, it's a get to know you kind of thing. Um, session talk, zero. Talk about session zero. Talk about characters. We're not going to stream it, but we're going to talk about characters and kind of like, how are you going to be in the world, what motivates your character. So Jordan has an idea of things like that. Uh, We've been chatting a lot in Discord. It's been super fun. They're so excited for this. And I'm really stoked too. It's going to be a lot, lots of fun. But yeah, so Mm -hmm. I've been prepping my Rod of Seven Parts game a lot. um, Reading through the original Greyhawk Adventure, uh, second edition, and then uh, creating new monsters, creating new magic items, uh, things like that so that I have like a clear kind of direction for them to go. Um, I think Mm -hmm. we're going to start in Neverwinter. I I just kind of, I've always loved Neverwinter. And uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like, you should start in Waterdeep or you should start here. And I don't know, Baldur's Gate. And I'm like, you know, we haven't had like a good Neverwinter. I'm going to start there. So we're going to do Neverwinter. Uh, And because this is a streamed game, I want it to be good because I get really nervous. Now, Lucian, you stream a lot of games. I get nervous and audiences spook me, which is weird because I do performance for a lot of my life and for a living and things like that uh but uh the internet streaming is is just odd sometimes and i'm getting better about mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. but like uh do you do you even think about the audience or do you just play a game for your friends and then stream it kind of a thing
1: yeah yeah, yeah? I just like this show i mean okay. i don't i mean i love interacting i don't I don't get nervous in any of that. It's also part of kind of my actual career, which is being in front of people and presenting and teaching and training and Mm -hmm. talking with them. And it could be groups of four to 10. I've been in front of groups of 250. I've been in groups in front of groups of thousand and talked, you know, it's all, it's, that's something I, and I realize lots of other people struggle with that, but it's not something I did. But the streaming thing for me is just The only hard part for me was you're trying to juggle so many things as a dungeon master because maybe you're doing like screen overlay stuff. Maybe you're switching between types of versions or or camera angles that you want to do, but you're also trying to keep up with what the players are asking you and doing. You're keeping up with what you want your monsters to do or how they're reacting to what's Mm -hmm. going on. And there's like a million things you're like already as a dungeon master. You have a lot to think about and you throw some more stuff on top of that which is I'm running a show or I'm producing my own show at the same time. But I find it very rewarding at the end of them. I find it really good that you can go back and watch them. Yeah. And um, they're like a... Like you're recording them. So that way you can always go back. Because right now, the only way we ever know about the old games that we play are just the stories we remember. Yeah. We'll be sitting around with our friends and we'll retell the tale of, do you remember when we fought that beholder? It was so cool and this and that. And sometimes that story is probably even better than it was, which is how we are. We all like to make our stories really. The fish dramatic I caught was go.
0: this big.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's still cool to be able to go back and watch some of those old things. And maybe they're not as big as good a quality mine have never been as good a quality as like a critical role or a yeah. Matt Colville production but i still had a lot of fun with those players yeah. Um. and i still like being able to go back and saying oh yeah i remember that in that episode we did that weird thing and this fun thing happened and
0: you know and cool. you're like right I, I i have a son now um yeah little baby oliver love him to death crying <laughs> a lot less so love him more <laughs> than i did before um, he, uh, I, I was thinking about this as you were talking just now that like, that's actually something that if I, if I make this, if I do this year long campaign, you know, maybe when he's in his teens, he's going to be like, well, dad, you've been running games for me, but like, I don't know, like what, where did you start? And I can be like, Oh, watch that. You know, like here, here you, go. you can right. watch, you know, uh, 37 uh, year old Jordan when you were just an infant running mm-hmm. this really awesome game online and it's there and that's kind of cool too so yeah um, so I'm not like necessarily that. trying to get famous off of this but like no. i have had a lot of people who like the channel that they're like run a run a game and i and i've run one shots and stuff but this will be my first like forgotten realms you know on brand running a really cool game and it's yeah it's modeled off of something that people know but it's mm-hmm. also um it's also my own thing And that's what I really liked about it, is I have this rough outline of the rod of seven parts, but I can also, I can throw in anything I want, and they can go anywhere they want. And I told the players that I'm like, I want this to be your campaign just as much as it is mine. Where do Mm -hmm. you want to go in the Forgotten Realms? Like, we can go anywhere, really. So, yeah. And they're going to start at level five. We're going to try a little higher level campaign. And my goal is to get them to like 12 or 13. And so... We'll see. Yep.
1: And I'm one of those nebulous they who keeps bugging them because I think, you know, why not have the person who gives us all this knowledge about Forgotten Realms run a Forgotten Realms <laughs> campaign? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our dreams have come true. We get to watch Jordan run a Forgotten Realms ooh. campaign. This is going to be
0: good. It's going to be really awesome. I'm really excited for it uh, again. Yeah, so I've been doing that. I've also been reading a lot of my Invisible Sun books. And mm-hmm. um, I have a book called The Secret Streets of Saturnine, I think it's called. And it's it's basically like if you were going to run an Invisible Sun game in the city of Saturnine, here's NPCs and here's plot hooks and things like that. Um, and again, steal like an artist. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, I like that NPC for my rod of seven parts dnd game i was like oh i like that and i like this idea and i've been stealing a lot of that and i think i'm gonna work in maybe npcs maybe uh other stuff but i i like i it's just a robust world it's really well thought out monty cook makes such good stuff he's such a good designer especially with invisible sun it's just yeah designed really well so i've been reading a lot of that um and then to finish out the the, the thing uh I, yeah. I i bought a book the other day um, mm-hmm. I saw that you got something in the mail too. Do you want to talk about I that did. first?
1: Yeah, uh, I did get mine. Becoming AI RPG that was done by uh, Dylan Grinder. He uh, he was, if you remember, back in the days of earlier shows, he was running our game of Tomb Annihilation um, on his channel, and he also decided to write his own uh, RPG. So he did a Kickstarter and did the whole thing, and I got that. And It's, it's a really cool game, sci-fi. What's it
0: called again, so everybody?
1: Becoming know. AI
0: becoming AI. So Can this I idea it and find it
1: or probably okay. i don't think so um i think it's on drive Through rpg um if you would like to get it i got my printed copy finally hard book copy and i just really like this idea of indie people that are writing rpgs that are putting stuff together and it was a really fun kind of book and it reminded me a lot of kind of the monty cook kind of stuff and mm-hmm. the, the, the far, the, the nearish future, but maybe even far future ideas and what kind of games could you run, you know, from that aspect. So yeah. that was really cool. And I got the, I came home from Denver and had that in the mail and I thought, oh, that's cool. It's always that good to cool. come home to a, like one of your Kickstarters sitting on your desk. So that's always fun. Yeah. So, but what was awesome. the book you bought?
0: Um, so, uh friend of the show, uh Ben yeah. Questing Beast. He does really Questing good reviews. Beast, he's such a good guy. Um, he's a really good guy. Yeah, you you roomed with him at GenCon. I really did. Awesome. He yeah. was really
1: good. He's awesome. yeah, it was really funny. He
0: uh he's uh he does the OSR, the old school renaissance mm-hmm. books. And so kind of these indie uh RPG books that really apply to a lot of different games and I like I like those books a lot because Outspring's they're Island. They're just, I can use them for Dungeon Crawl Classics. I can use I don't know, I can use them for anything really. Um and they and again it's it's about sparking that that oh I want to do this. It's really cool. So mm-hmm. he uh, came out with a book called or not he, sorry, Ben reviewed a book um called Magical Industrial Revolution. Um so if you go to Questing Beast on YouTube, you can find this and he does a really good review. Uh it's a it's a book about like, not post-apocalyptic, but, uh, if magical, if kind of, I think about Eberron, like if magic was used in a, not a magical way, but like, oh, I can summon a fire elemental to create this steam engine to work. And I don't know, things kind of like that. If we push that far enough, it kind of will implode in on itself. And this book is about a, it's a pre-apocalyptic setting is kind of what it call, says about it. Um, Mm And there's magical innovations and magic items and spells and rules for a, a magical industry, like how you would how you would uh, utilize magic in an industrial setting, kind of a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Monsters, tools for urban campaign settings. It just looked really, really neat. Um, and it's on Drive RPG, and I'll put a link in both chats if you guys are interested in that. Um, but I I, uh, I picked that up. Now, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, I bought, I bought it from their website, not from drive RPG. And, uh, I bought the PDF and the print version, but mm-hmm. I couldn't find a download for my PDF. So I contacted the company and I'm like, when am I going to get this? And they're like, oh, we send out a download link when we mail out the, the print version. And I've never Mm -hmm. had a website do that. Every single time it's like like you you buy it, (laughs) you get the PDF immediately. So I'm a little like, oh, well, that's, that stinks. So I have to wait till I get this, but I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be awesome. And when I uh,
1: read magical industrial revolution, my mind immediately jumps to industrial light and magic, which is the, (laughs) well, I wonder if that was a play, like if they did that on purpose, but I do like the idea because that's, I think what really would happen with, our world if it got magic is we would industrialize it we would say oh once we know the mechanics of it the science of that magical spell we're going to find a million ways to use it in a product of some sort no (laughs) uh,
0: i always think of there's actual somebody has made plans for this out on the internet of Mm uh so if you put um a bag of holding in a portable hole it explodes and there's a hole to I think the astral sea that you get mm-hmm. sucked into and somebody made an arrow that has a portable uh, or a bag of holding attached to it and that arrow gets gets a shot into a portable hole that hits a target and then that target gets sucked into the astral plane uh, and that's That's how human minds work. That's how you know they look at that and they're like, I don't want to make a spell that does that. When I can, the effect of these two things does this. How can I turn that effect into a weapon or something like that? And so, uh, and this book also has um, a a mythical or a city called Endon or E N D O N Endon, and uh, that's another thing that I like, where like kind of like Vorheim. I know we're we're angry at the guy who wrote Vorheim because he's not a good person, but. Vorhein and, and uh, various other supplements like that where you can kind of take these cities and, and plop them into your world is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really cool. Um, and then speaking of coming home to cool things, uh, I got this book. In Oh, it's big. Hang on, I got to take something out Whoa, of it. Oh, it looks big. Oh, it's real big. So mm-hmm. I got this book. Let me uh, open up my thing so you can see. Um, and this is Immersive Battle Maps by uh, yarrow studios and you can go to Yarostudios.com and pick this up for not a lot of money it's actually really affordable um and what it is is uh it's maps so i always yeah. open it to that one i want to do this and the book is designed lighting the book is designed to be laid flat on your table and then this is gridded so it's got 30 different maps in it and you just plop it down and then you have like a graveyard or a desert or i don't know what's a good one Here's a boat like a shipyard. Mhm. Um it doesn't fit on my shelf. That is my only complaint about it because it is <laughs> so yeah. big.
1: What is uh, the size of that?
0: I I don't know. Like and then they came they gave me all these uh, stickers that you can put on the dryer scenes, spell effects and there's nice. like uh corpse. like you can lay down like here's here's where a body died or things like that.
1: That's why um, I love online games cuz you can throw down those really cool backgrounds, yeah. you can put really cool spell templates out and you don't always get that at your home games. Sometimes your home games are great. Everybody around you, you get your snacks on the table, but sometimes it it devolves into squares and a and a and a marker, you know, a dry yeah. erase marker and not and it's it's all relying on how well you can draw something versus you know, you can put some really cool stuff on. Yeah. Cool.
0: So uh, thank you, Yaro Studios. Um, I was really excited to get that and open it. It's really cool. Uh, you can check out their website. It's awesome, yarostudios.com. Um, And I'm excited to use that because, like you said, it's, kinda, it's really nice for me to just be like, oh, you guys want to go there? And then I can just plop down, you're there. It's really cool. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of city ones in there or like towns and stuff um, that I make ex- urban, I should say. And uh, as my players go to the city of Gloomrot, I think I'm going to utilize a lot of those maps because I have them and they're really cool. So, uh, man, this was fun. I'm just jazzed. I saw the coolest play last night and uh, my my mom and my sister babysat. So me and the wife had a date and I'm just like, I'm on, I'm having just the best day. So really excited. Thank you for coming out to the Saturday morning D&D show, everybody. Uh, really excited to have you. This was a lot of fun uh stay tuned for next week when we'll be back with another episode of the saturday morning D&D show congratulations again to our winner we have mailed out the prizes so you will get them shortly um and that will be awesome and i hope he tweets a bunch of stuff out uh wh- what else anything else we need to say before we go
1: nope i don't think there's anything i think you got it all
0: all right uh you guys are awesome uh again so happy to have the people live here watching us. Thank you again. And we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning d and Show. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.